kids. The game we are playing first is called Dollar Hauler. Do you know which famous U.S. president's faces are on money in the United States? Now, with our church being a global church, we have listeners in 106 countries. So this game will probably be easier for our U.S. citizens. But special shout out and hello to all of our awesome international listener friends. Okay, here we go. Whose face is on the penny? Hint, Emancipation Proclamation. Abraham Lincoln is on the penny. Whose face is on the nickel? Hint, the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson is on the nickel. Whose face is on the dime? Hint, FDR. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is on the dime. Whose face is on the quarter? Hint, first. George Washington is on the quarter. Whose face is on the $20 bill? Hint, despite his last name, he's not related to Michael Jackson. Andrew Jackson is on the $20 bill. And finally, whose face is on the $100 bill? Hint, lightning kite. Benjamin Franklin is on the $100 bill. The reason we played that game is because this week Jesus teaches a parable about pennies. Have you guys heard the parable of the laborers in the vineyard before? A landowner went out and hired a bunch of people and promised to pay them a regular day's wage. Some workers got there early and worked all day long. The first group of workers got there at 9 in the morning and worked the entire day in the heat. Then the landowner went out at noon and hired some more workers. They also worked many hours in the hot sun. Some workers got there late and worked just a few hours. He came out at 3 o'clock and hired some more guys to work at his vineyard. Then at 5, when the workday was almost over, he went to town one last time and hired even more workers. They only worked one hour in the day, and then the landowner called them inside. When they got paid at the end of the day, they all got a full day's wage. Remember at the beginning of the story when the landowner promised a full day's wage? Well, he kept his promise. First, he paid the guys who got there at the end. He paid them what he had promised. The next group of guys thought for sure they were gonna get paid more because they worked longer, but they got paid the exact same amount. That made them pretty mad. They thought they deserved more because they worked longer. But the landowner reminded them that he kept his promise, a full day's wage, which is what they got. So let's put ourselves into this parable. Pretend your mom asks you to go work out in the yard. And she says, hey, if you help weed the backyard, I will pay you $10. So you excitedly agree and you go out back and you work hard all day, even when it gets super hot. 
And then at sunset, your little brother comes out and he helps you for a few minutes. When your mom comes out and she sees the yard, she pays you your $10. And then your brother gets $10 too. Does that seem fair? Let's see what Jeffrey R. Holland has to say about that. First of all, it is important to note that no one has been treated unfairly here. The first workers agreed to the full wage of the day, and they received it. As the householder in the parable tells them, and I paraphrase really only slightly, my friends, I'm not being unfair to you. You agreed on the wage for the day, a good wage. You were very happy to get the work. And I'm very happy with the way you served. You're paid in full. Take your pay and enjoy the blessing. Then this piercing question to anyone then or now who may need to hear it. Why should you be jealous? Because I choose to be kind. Brothers and sisters, there are going to be times in our lives when someone else gets an unexpected blessing or receives some special recognition. May I plead with us not to be hurt and certainly not to feel envious when good fortune comes to another person. We are not diminished when someone else is added upon. We're not in a race against each other to see who's the wealthiest or the most talented or the most beautiful or even the most blessed. The race we are really in is the race against sin. And surely envy is one of the most universal of those. So, lesson number one from the Lord's Vineyard. Coveting, pouting, or tearing others down does not elevate your standing, nor does demeaning someone else improve your self-image. So be kind and be grateful that God is kind. It is a happy way to live. This week, we would like to challenge you to empty out the coins in your piggy bank for a gratitude challenge. This challenge is called Many Pennies. We want you to take a jar and put it by your bed. And at the end of each day, I want you to look for God's blessings in your life. Put a penny in the jar for all the kindnesses and blessings God gave to you that day. You and I, we won't be worried about what we are owed or jealous or judging others if instead we're thinking about how good Heavenly Father has been to us. How many pennies do you think will be in your jar at the end of the week? Okay, this next game is called Bible Bucks. You get to invent your own scripture currency. That's a fancy way to say money. Fill in the blanks and design your own Bible Bucks. Instead of being green, the dollar bills you design are going to be. Instead of being rectangle shaped, the dollar bills you design are going to be. And instead of being flat circles, the 
coins you design are going to be shaped like. All your favorite scripture heroes are going to have their faces on your Bible books. On the face of your $100 bill will be. And on the face of your quarter will be. And you're going to rename your coins too. Instead of calling a penny a penny, you're going to call it a. And instead of calling a nickel a nickel, you're going to call it. And instead of suckers, all your banks will hand out. If you had the opportunity to ask the Savior a question, what would it be? When a certain rich young man met the Savior for the first time, he asked, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Let's listen to his story. A long time ago, they lived a young man, a man who had everything, a rich man, and everything he wanted, he got. Nothing was impossible for him. If he wanted a nice meal, he got it. Nothing was impossible for him. If he wanted nice clothes, he got them. Nothing was impossible for him. If he wanted a rest, he got it. Nothing was impossible for him. Everything he wanted, he got. Money gave him everything. He was very, very rich. And a nice guy as well. He loved and respected his mum and dad. He loved and took care of his wife. He was a really, really nice guy. But there was one thing he didn't have. One thing he wanted. The rich young man wanted heaven. He wanted to live forever with God. So he went to see Jesus. The rich young man asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to go to heaven? Jesus looked at him and said, Remember God's commandments. Love your wife. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie. Honour your father and mother. The rich man smiled. Yes, I have kept them all. Then Jesus said, There's one thing left to do. Sell everything you earn and give it all away. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The rich man was shocked. Sell everything? Give away all his money? It was too hard. It was impossible. The rich man turned and walked away. He walked away from Jesus. It was impossible. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, How hard it is for rich people to enter heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. The disciples looked at each other and said, So who can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible for man is possible with God. After the man left sorrowing, Jesus said, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. The apostles were astonished because everyone knew that this rich young ruler was a kind and generous man who kept the commandments. Who then can be saved? They asked him, well, 
Jesus told his disciples. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Oh man, it's hard enough to get a tiny thread through the eye of a needle, let alone a whole camel. That seems impossible. Well, another theory is that the word camel was mistranslated when they converted the Bible into Greek. In Greek, the word for rope is camelos, so it's pretty close to camel. Can you imagine trying to thread a rope through a tiny sewing needle? That's equally impossible. But this is the theory I really like. So there are some who say the eye of a needle was a small doorway that was used to enter Jerusalem at night. So after hours, the main gates of the city were shut and there was a small side gate that was left open for pedestrians. So while the small gate was no problem for travelers that were journeying on foot, a camel that was loaded with luggage would have to be unburdened, stoop, and inch its way through the opening. So a camel can pass through the eye of a needle. It's just super hard. Oh, since camels were carrying so much stuff, they would need to be unloaded in order to pass through. So the symbolism is that a rich man would have to also unload his riches or material possessions in order to enter heaven. And this is where we're blessed to have the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. So in Mark 10, 26, we read, With men that trust in riches, it is impossible, but not impossible with men who trust in God and leave all for my sake, for with such all these things are possible. So what's the difference between having riches and trusting in riches? Well, having riches is not a bad thing. You can do a lot of service and good things for others. Having money can be a blessing as long as we trust God more than material things. As long as spiritual things are more important and more valuable to us than material things. So it wasn't this rich young ruler's money Jesus really wanted. Jesus wanted his heart. Okay, got it. Don't care about money or things more than we care about God. What else can we learn from this? Addie, do you have any thoughts? So, this rich young ruler was already a great guy. He was a righteous young man who was already keeping the Ten Commandments, but he wanted to become better. His goal was eternal life. When he met the Savior, he asked, What lack I yet? The Savior appreciated the good things that the young man had already done and lovingly encouraged him to do more. If we want eternal life, and wonder if there is more that we should be doing? We can ask in our own way, what lack I yet? And the Lord will give us personal answers. Listener friends, can you share an experience when you have received a personal prompting to do something to be better? Hi, I'm Clara. I'm six years old and I live in Spring City, Utah. President Nelson promised if we read the scriptures every day, it will help us make good decisions. I felt prompted to start reading the scriptures every morning while we were waiting for the school bus. I feel good each day I read the scriptures. When I went to my brother's basketball game, I made some new friends. They wanted me to play under the bleachers. I asked my mom if it was okay. She told me she didn't think it was safe. So we didn't play there, and we stayed safe. I'm glad that I have parents to help me be safe when I obey.
So before he talked about giving up his treasure, the Savior gave the rich young man some commandments to obey. Can you count how many? Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. This week, we encourage you to think about the things that you might need to begin doing or some things you might need to stop doing to better follow Jesus. If you aren't sure, you can pray to find out what Jesus wants you to do. Or you could ask your parents for advice. The last thing we need to talk about today is a very important subject. Can you guess what it is? The law says you must be married to a prince by your next birthday. Just marry the girl. Marry her? You don't just walk up to a girl, hand her a bouquet and say, Hey, remember me? We were kids together. Will you marry me? You married Elastigirl? Whoa. <laughs> oh. Excuse me? Who married the man she just met? It's true love! Whoa! You know, I am so romantic, sometimes I think I should just marry myself. Holy mackerel, I'm married. Where I always say the key to a solid marriage is laughter. I ask your hand in marriage. Ah. Will you be the perfect bride for the perfect groom? I'm gonna find that girl, and I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> Meaning... One day you two are going to be married! Yeah! I'm a married sputter! Squints grew up and married Wendy Peppercorn. Hear what I'm telling you! The prince is marrying the sea witch in disguise! See, I promised myself I'd be married to Belle, and right now I'm evolving a plan! Marriage! The Pharisees were asking Jesus questions about marriage. And this is a subject that a lot of people still today have questions about. And this is what Jesus told them. He uses some big words, so Isaac is here to help you out. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Male and female means husband and wife. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Cleave means to stick together and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. Twain means two. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Asunder means to break into pieces. So Jesus was explaining that it's important for husbands and wives to join together, to love each other, and to work as partners. Heavenly Father wants us to marry in the temple and have eternal families. It's all part of his plan of happiness for us. That's all we have for this week. Do you want to be guests on this podcast? Email us at comefollowmekidspodcast at gmail.com and we'll send you an assignment for a future week. Thanks for listening and until next time. Stay on the cutting